hello, hello, hello. Uh, welcome to my second episode. Uh, I'm aware it's been absolutely ages, to be honest. Uh, you know, we're, we're amidst a pandemic, everyone. It's not easy trying to get people to come and do an episode of a podcast. Um, so I sort of just had to bite the bullet and start accepting that I'll have to do video call podcasts. I can't always get people face to face. It's probably for the best that way anyway, you know, trying to keep safe. Not trying to spread the rona. Um, so yeah, it's why it's taken me so long. I mean, I've been trying to organise a few shows with a few people and we've got, again, still some amazing guests coming up and I, I could just find the time. I'm a busy man as well, you know, I've got other things going on, you have to forgive me, but I promise I will try and start being a bit more frequent. Obviously, I will try and make sure that it's not every two months you get an episode, because that takes the piss a little bit, doesn't it? No one no one wants to wait that long just to get a podcast episode. Two months, it's been two months as of, well, tomorrow. By the time this episode comes out, it'll been two months tomorrow, which is just phenomenal. Um... I do apologise for uh, some of you have asked me where the next episode is and I have kept you all waiting but no more uh, I'm back uh, and I'm going to try and make it more frequent as I have just said uh, but this week I'm joined by an absolutely amazing guest it's one of my oldest friends at university my friend Libby uh, she was a fantastic guest she's uh, in Manchester at the moment obviously they're in tier 3 lockdown as, as of when this episode was recorded um, which is wild, but she she took the time out of doing absolutely not a lot, really, and uh, was telling us about some of her experiences. Um, obviously, she works for the BBC uh, in the production side of things, which is absolutely phenomenal, uh, and I couldn't wait to get, you know, get to have a chat with her about all of the things that she gets up to there. Um, and she was amazing. I loved every second of it as I, as I thought we'd both sit there and chat for hours on end which is what we did so I hope you look forward to that but yeah I won't give too much away about it I cannot wait to get into it we've got a huge episode for you today we we, we, we spoke about so much stuff it was it was amazing um, but yeah I'll leave you with that this is the episode with Libby Burke enjoy cheers hello Libby how are ya I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Oh, oh, good, good. Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. It's been quite a long time. Yeah, just about. Just, just, a, just a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how long has it been? Three years. Yep, three years. Three, three long, years. dark years. <laughs> <laughs> good start, right? Well, we know the sort of tone we're going with there straight away. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, how have you been? Yeah, good, mate. Good. I mean, obviously yeah. we're all locked down at the moment. In the, oh yeah, you know. yeah. So as you might be able to tell from Libby's accent, um, she is based up at North, specifically in Manchester. Well, actually, and you're back in Lancashire. Oh, sorry. Yeah, so sorry. I'm in. I'm in the good old Chorley. 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 Oh, so Chorley. Are they? So you are in tier three as well. Yeah. Oh, that's. that's that is shit, to be fair. It's all right, though. I mean, at the end of the day, I can still go out. I can still go to the gym. I can still go to restaurants if I want to. So it's not like it was the first time, because that was bleak. When you literally couldn't leave your house. Yeah, I think nobody wants that again. Uh, as as daunting as that feeling feels like it is, it might be coming again. But, yeah, no, I understand. It's not as bad. But So, all right, so you can still go to the gym. What can't you do, then? 
You can't see your friends. Good. Unless you are in a group of less than six and you are outdoors. Then you can, and it's fine. And you have to be set like two meters apart? Yeah, you have to be two meters apart. Or one meter, I'm not sure. Just away from, just don't touch them. Just just don't even look at them. <laughs> just Stay away. Just have a quick sniff. <laughs> I know you're there. <laughs> and, then, and then be on your merry way, I guess. That's okay, fair enough. Well, yeah. we're, we're only in tier one here, but everyone's like freaking out down here. Oh, really? Uh, a few, yeah, well, it's a small town, Ilfracoom. Uh, a few of the pubs closed down. And uh, that sort of sparked chaos. Especially because I also work in a pub. And mm. everyone who usually would go to all those other pubs sort of piled into mine. Ah. And it's like social distancing became non-existent, which was like, sweet. Great. Just what you want, yeah, isn't yeah. it? During Just a global com- pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what I want. Please come in, all of you, at <laughs> once. Like a, like a stampede. Do you that have to wear one lovely. of those um, nice visors that cover your face? Uh, no, I just wear a mask. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself and, you know, what do you do at these days? Sure. Uh, so I'm a production coordinator. So I'm working Ooh. on a lovely BBC programme in the north of England. Oh, um, called? Called The One Show. Oh, The One Show. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, so we're not actually... The whole of The One Show isn't based in Manchester. Uh, I was going to say, it's shot in London, isn't it? Yeah. So, well, it's not all shot in London. The studio elements are. But then there are different teams scattered across the UK that cover kind okay. of like different regions of the uk so we're in the northwest region basically but we still go and do like other parts of the country and ours is um like topical stuff so we do like consumer films and uh we do the watchdog segments as well so um it's pretty it's pretty hectic it's quite mad it's busy all the time there's constantly stuff going on whether it's films in the edit films prepping people out on location there's always stuff going on um like this afternoon i've spent my whole time trying to get a location agreement for some filming tomorrow and it's just what is it what is it you're filming i can't divulge that obviously oh you can't oh, not, <laughs> even, like, not even like a little bit of an inside scoop no no sorry oh, i don't want to lose right. my job fair tyler <laughs> oh, fair enough yeah yeah do you have to sign like a nda um i think it's within my contract <clears throat> right, so okay. you just you just don't um divulge information i guess fair but enough. yeah but um i've been working at the beeb since i left uni which is yeah, quite you were fun. doing it in Bristol. You were doing BBC Bristol as well for a bit, weren't you? Yeah. So I um, I graduated from Bath Spa, as we know, and <sighs> God bless that. That <laughs> that was not a fun sigh. <laughs> <sighs> well, like you know, it had its moments, didn't it? Like it was a fun. I mean, we'll talk about uni later. Right? Okay. I, 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 it's it's in the back of my mind, but yeah. Uh, no, we'll leave it till later. You carry okay, on. Okay, sure. <laughs> so I, yeah, I left uni in the, when did we graduate? July. 2017, July, yeah. Oh, hang on. I've got, I'm all muddled up. So we finished uni. We finished uni in like. May. May, yeah. Yeah. So we finished in the May and I moved back home for one week before I got some work experience in London on a scripted comedy as a runner for two weeks. So I went down the week after we finished uni 
And I stayed in London for a week and I was in the office doing stuff there. And then I was on location for a week, um, like running on location, basically, which was great. There was some really cool actors on location and like... Any any, uh, honourable mentions? um, Johnny Vegas. Oh, what a hero. Do you know what? To be told by the face of PG Tips that you make a good brew is essentially a medal of honour. You've, you've made it. That's it. Retire. <laughs> you don't need it. You're done. Just put, stick that in your CV as well, to be fair. Yeah. No, he's a good Quality guy. Quality skill. Um, and Jerome Prince was on that. And mm. um, yeah, quite a lot of people, actually. I'm forgetting people's names, which is so rude. But um, yeah, they were that great and rude. they were so nice. And I had a really, really lovely time. But whilst I was on location, I um, I had to kind of cut it a bit short. Well, I had to skip one of the days while I was in London to go to Bristol because an excellent lecturer of ours from uni had put me in touch with the unit manager of the natural history unit in Bristol. And was that previous Johnny? No, actually it was Mark Adams. Oh, okay, yeah, a brilliant yes. Yeah, fantastic. so he, he That's now the second time he's been mentioned on my podcast, so that's well, fantastic. Well, he's an excellent person and he is, I actually and owe my whole career to Mark Adams, so there we go. Shout out to Mark Adams if you hear this. <laughs> I doubt he ever will. <laughs> but if but you anyway. do, Mark Adams, good on you, lad. <laughs> so Mark put me in touch with a lovely lady from the Natural History Unit. And we went and met up. And I thought it was just a casual coffee. It was not. There was um, the talent manager was there as well. And it was essentially like an informal interview. Yeah. Okay, um, sweet. I mean, I wanted prepared. to catch you off guard a bit then. I know. You had prepared. Yeah, you can't go for a meeting with kind of like the head person of a BBC department without preparing something to say. That is absolutely fair. Yeah. That if oh. anybody needs hints, you and say tips, that, but I definitely would. I'd just rock up, be like, "I see, I got this. <laughs> I got this." And I rock up, and then just see everyone's there, and I'm like, "Nope." No, I'm a duck out. I've got nothing I can say here. <laughs> yeah, it was scary. But I mean, at the end of the day, so she um, she liked me and she said um, there's some interviews coming up for a pool um, for production management assistance. So a pool is basically where they interview like a load of people mm-hmm. and whoever they like for that role that isn't a role yet they put into this pool so yeah. that when jobs come up on different um, productions, they don't have to re-interview every time. They can just pick out of the pool of people that have already been selected. All so, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So there was an interview coming up for that and she said, oh, you should put your name forward for it. So I was like, right, okay, great. So whilst I was on the Johnny Vegas program in london i got a call Mm -hmm. saying i've got an interview i think it was the thursday and i finished on the friday so i ended up missing the thursday shoot to go for my interview um and so i did the interview and it was like a a board like when you go and sit at loads of different desks with different people which is pretty they try and make it so it's informal but it feels scarier than yeah i can imagine yeah it's like what do they call it like um a speed dating board basically speedboarding that's what they call it speedboarding yeah there you go (laughs) i got there eventually that's terrifying yeah but they do it they do it to make it more relaxed more informal But it doesn't feel like that at the time. I was going to say, relax doesn't sound like the right word. Like, I'd be like, <laughs> yeah, and there's too like much going on five, 
there's like five other candidates there with you. So all of you are in the same room going to different people. It's crazy. But anyway, so I went to that interview and I was accepted. So I found out um, like a couple of days after when I'd finished the um, Johnny Vegas program. And on the Monday, I think, I got a call saying um, that they wanted to interview me for Country File. So I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. So I had the interview for Country File on the... Must have been the Monday. I feel like I'm getting my dates mixed up. Anyway. And then the Wednesday, I moved into my old uni house in Bath. I had to go back to Bath. Wait, to you start... moved back to Bath? Yeah. Okay, I moved sweet. back okay. to Bath. Yeah. Hang Why on. You... Wait, but when did you move to Bristol? I'm so lost. So I'm getting confused now. So my interview... <laughs> For the for country file must have been the Monday. Yeah. I then moved back to Bath on the Tuesday. Started working on country file, which was in Bristol, but I had to live in Bath because I had no house. Yeah. Right. But you still had your uni house then. Yeah, my my right. student lease wasn't up until July. Okay, well that's alright then. Yeah. Um. So I had like three weeks left of that house basically. So I started. Working on Crunchyfell on the Wednesday. We graduated from uni on the Thursday. And on the Saturday, I found an apartment in Bristol. That is hardcore. Yes. Fair play to you. Like, that is a lot to juggle in <laughs> one go. And do you know what? It took me about three weeks for it to sink in that I'd actually moved to a new city and started a job in television and graduated Honestly, from uni. I still think now I'd be like, I can't believe I did that. That's that's crazy. At the same time, all I did was just get drunk and work at Nando's while she started that career. So that's good. Well, no, I know what I'd have rather have done, to be honest. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, well, you wouldn't have want to worked at Nando's. If you could have combined the two, perhaps work at the BBC and just get drunk every night, that would have been fantastic, wouldn't it, really? So there you go. Well, to be fair, that is what I did. <laughs> <laughs> the untold secrets of working for the BBC. You also just get drunk every night. Not with the BBC. That is not, not what I'm with suggesting. The BBC. I just went and got drunk on my own. Because <laughs> like, it makes me sound own. awful. What, not actually sat on your own? Maybe. Drink it. <laughs> I didn't know anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, good. well, no, that is... What a, what a turnaround. Yeah, it was. it was pretty mad, to be fair. But, I mean, amazing. Like, what an opportunity. I wasn't oh, going to yeah, turn 100%. any of it down. I mean... Yeah, how often do people get things like that come up? Uh, that's, yeah. No. And it's just enough, the fact that like I was in London working, then we graduated, then I started my new job, and I moved to Bristol, all in the space of like three weeks. It's just mental. Yeah. That is, honestly, props to you. Fair play. That is actually Thanks. phenomenal. Uh, and you're, So you've now left Bristol. Yeah, so I, I worked on country file for 18 months which is a surprisingly long contract for the work that we do like what what were you doing so i was a production management assistant which mm-hmm. i i think sometimes it's often missed production management can be missed off the list of careers in television and film because like it's it's not boring but it's like the the less creative side of things so so yeah 
people want things to be done and we make it happen basically we but that's always the case isn't it especially on the production side of everything it's like oh i think it's easily done that people that work in production are left out because you only see like the creative and the visual yeah. side of it and it's easy you see to go, the editorial oh yeah you don't you don't see, see the hard work you don't see the hotel the that scenes. i book for the <laughs> the presenters or whatever yeah. and and yeah. what's quite frustrating i find is that we're the first people in the office or on our laptops or whatever and we're the last people to leave it's it can be so ruthless sometimes because everything has to happen and we have to mm-hmm. make it happen um otherwise we're not doing our job basically and things no. can things can go wrong especially when you're working on like a huge platform like something like country file is a huge program and it's it's oh, watched absolutely. by millions of people every week and there's a huge amount of pressure there and for somebody just starting out in television working on this huge production was pretty like intense i found it really hard to get to grips with for a long time but i mean i take I was... it it's a lot different than working in the tv studio at university yes <laughs> <laughs> was it like having a hundred trevors yeah <laughs> i mean no don't get me wrong like there's a lot there's a lot of amazing people that work in the industry like i've made some amazing friends from my time in bristol and like would not have got through the stuff i had to get through like there was in the summer of 2018 mm-hmm. i was the coordinator of the live event that we did so country file do country file live every year and yep. there's a whole separate events team for that but we film it and so i was coordinating that which basically mm-hmm. meant i was across five filming crews over two days with five different presenters constantly on the move which means five schedules several hotels loads of stuff that we've got to sort i had to transport a whole like office base to this location that was like in surrey or wherever we were um and it was huge task there was so much to do but i did yeah. that within the first year of working in the industry so they really threw you in the deep end then yeah but that's why places like bristol are so amazing because they want everyone to thrive they want you to do well they bring in new people from uni from work experience whatever because they want to see people kind of rise through the ranks and especially in management because there's not always a lot of, like everyone always goes i want to be a director i want to be a producer of course, yeah you don't often hear of people <laughs> saying i want to be a production manager yeah but- <laughs> you are the only person i know ever that has probably ever said that. Like, but it's because I'm we, good at it. That's you why. You are I'm... good at it. And I know that <laughs> firsthand that you are very good at it. <laughs> but you are the only person I've ever met that's been like, yeah, I'll happily get into the production side of things. I was like, okay, sweet. Yeah. I just like telling people what to do, I think. Yeah. It, well, yeah. Like bossing people about. <laughs> A professional bossy person. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah. That's... So. Go no, go on. What were you saying? No, go on. I don't nah, know go what on. I was going to say. Nah, go on. Go on. <laughs> nah, go on, mate. Go on. <laughs> Sorry. I'd just like to point out at this point, uh, Libby is drinking flavoured water. <laughs> and I'm, drink- I'm on my second can of Thatcher's Gold cider. Shout out to <laughs> Thatcher's Gold if you want to sponsor me. Uh, this is making the, ma- uh, making the Movie Maker podcast. Yeah, cheers. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so has it always been something that you've been interested in doing? What, the production management? Well, even just working in television, and then obviously specifically what you do now, of course. um, 
but yeah, let's let's go back to sort of basics. Okay. Working in television or film, is it always something you've been interested in? It's, I mean, I've always been interested in watching things, definitely. But yeah. um, from a young age, I was thrown into theatre because my dad ah, yes. was doing theatre for a long time. Like, amateur theatre, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And like me and my sister used to have acting lessons and dance lessons. And then we started at the local theatre. And that was kind of always the way I thought it was going to go for me. I was going to go to drama school and like be on stage and do that. But yeah. Um, my parents had very different views <laughs> and very different opinions in oh, that. Okay. It just in the fact that like, and I've had conversations with my mum about it since, and it's just like they wanted me to have a life where I can be employed, and throwing yourself into a career where you're constantly being judged and constantly being rejected for your appearance and all of those things is probably not a fun lifestyle. And I think maybe I don't have the um personality to deal with that very well I mean I'd still love to kind of pursue those things and I still do that in my spare time um but at the time when I was looking at universities my older sister had already done a degree in theater and I'd kind of already said well I'm not sure I'd want to do a degree in that if I was gonna do acting I'd want to go to drama school not that I knew anything about acting or the industry or what you need to be an actor because there's so many actors that do a degree and then become actors and that you don't have to go to drama school but it's just 18 year old lib was like i'm not doing it unless i can do it my way so um lib that doesn't sound like you at all (laughs) (laughs) couldn't be you not not libby burke um so (laughs) basically i um I started looking at kind of like things involved with acting, maybe like stage management or like directing and producing theater. And then we went to look at some universities and uh, it was York University actually that I saw and their studios were insane. And they showed some kind of like student films that had been made and it was just incredible. And I was like, you know what? I would love to do that. And it really sparked an interest. And to be fair, when when I first started at uni my goal was always to get into drama to get into scripted programming and to be on the creative side of that directing writing producing those types of things which are obviously all careers that would take 10-15 years to get to that point um obviously you're heading in the right direction for that as well though to be fair well I suppose so but um that's not actually what I want anymore (laughs) all right all right fair enough yeah I mean I I, for a long time, was really wanting to work on things like Poldark or, um, I can't think of any more examples, but like like high-end TV dramas, basically. Like the BBC platform dramas, like great ones. Luther. Yeah, those sorts of things. Um, but it, it kind of, it dawned on me, it's so hard. It is so ruthless. Like it's even, just very competitive, isn't it? It's so, so competitive. Just to get into it, just to get a foot in the door. A friend of mine that I worked with in Bristol, she got um, like a trainee scheme through Skillset, which is amazing, by the way. And they do incredible kind of courses and, and opportunities for people. And it's it's incredible. I applied is that three a plug? years. No, that not at like all. like a little plug there. No. I just, <laughs> if people are listening to this that want to know about how to get into the industry that is definitely one way to do mm. it um 100 and so anyway i applied for a skill set trainee scheme three years in a row and 
on the final year, which was last year, I was accepted to an interview and I turned it away because it took me three years of applying and being rejected. And I then went on a training course for production coordinators in uh, film and TV. And just from listening to what they had to say about the job, it just didn't sound like something I wanted to do. It, it You're very much an administrator. You're organizing kind of meeting rooms and setting up tables. It just sounds like a glorified secretary, doesn't it? I suppose so. Really? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people that do an amazing job that like it's a really hard job and it is really ruthless and there's so much competition but it just it doesn't sound like something that I want to do no um and and I love doing management and I love working in production but I think I maybe prefer being a bigger fish in a smaller pond perhaps um yeah I think yeah not only is it super hard to get into but also like my friends that work in drama they have no social life they're constantly working and they're working ridiculous hours and they have to be away from home so often and by the time that I had moved back to the north I was looking at kind of northern based production um companies and, and applying to a lot of them um and I just got to a point where I was I was really comfortable at home and I was living with my partner at the time and we had a life here and we had kind of friends and family and I was doing shows and I was like, actually what I appreciate more about my life is the, the time I have to myself, my free time. And when you're, yes, you make a lot of money in drama and yes, you get amazing opportunities to go to different places and to kind of see amazing places and meet really cool people. But for me, actually what was important changed and it, sh- it just shifted the whole dynamic of what I wanted to do. And I'm still kind of working out exactly where I want to be and what I want to do. I know what I'm good at and I know what I enjoy, but I don't know what I want moving forward. But I, I think it was a very interesting kind of revelation for me to realise that it isn't that that I want anymore because it was for such a long time. I think it's easy to especially when you start looking at careers in this industry or you go into like you know further education into an industry in film it's easy to sort of assume that the best best route and the 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 way you've made it is to go into drama because everyone watches things that are drama based and thinks that's so cool I'd love to be a part of that and I want to be the next best thing but you know that's like you said nobody really appreciates that some people go unappreciated whilst they do these like roles and you know it can be really tough it can be really sort of there's a lot of hard work that people don't see that always that might always not feel as rewarding as possibly doing something yeah. else. Sort of I like think the, people uh, the factual base. I think work people see kind of going to awards ceremonies with the directors and stuff, and they go, "Oh my god, I want that life. I want to be that person." But it's very hard to get into those roles unless you have those connections, and you have to be so skilled and so talented and have so much experience. Like there's there's very like few directors and producers that have made it to that degree that aren't kind of like in their 40s like it's a it's a lifelong goal basically yeah 100 percent. and that's the thing as well isn't it people only ever see the success stories that you never you rarely hear the you know ha- the, the hard work what it took to get mm. to that point or you might do sometimes if you watch a biopic about a certain you know person but yeah you we celebrate the successes so you will see the award ceremony you see the film then you see the awards it will win you don't see all the bits mm. behind it oh you just hear that oh, okay this is in pre-production but what does that mean to people that are outside of pre-production they'll never know so it's the hard work of people such as yourself that people never hear about which is 
I, and and how tough that can be because I, I mean when i think about like films we've made let's we'll talk about it later but when i think about here is perfect the amount of work that we'd done in put into that by the time that we'd fucking finished it excuse my language i had nothing i'd wanted nothing more to do with it okay that I, it took me ages to want to watch it again because we just ah oh, just had to simply abandon it yeah but yeah yeah that's just it so people only want to celebrate the successes so that's exactly why people would probably get want to get into that role um obviously but you don't be you can sort of understand sorry you you go on but you're absolutely right you you see the glorified section of that you see the like award ceremonies and you see the amazing and the amazing products that they make and millions of people watch them and it's incredible but what you don't see is the time that they miss at home with their families what you don't see is the is the days that they've spent in the edit for they've been there for three days and they've not eaten or, or whatever and and like that happens in factual television that happens in sport that happens in every kind of part of the industry really but sometimes the things that are celebrated are what people base their kind of goals and aspirations on and i think sometimes it's not um portrayed truthfully to be honest because i think everybody everybody says to me oh my god you work at the bbc that's so glamorous and i'm like well i just work in an office like everybody else yeah, I mean to be fair, when I was uh, I was talking to like a few people, being like, "Oh, so, so when I posted the other day, that was like, oh, I'm doing my second episode of the uh, podcast." A few people were like, "Oh, who who have you got?" I was like, "Oh, my friend Libby, she works for the BBC and stuff." They were like, "Wow, that's so cool! That's so cool!" I was like, "Yes, but I honestly couldn't tell you what she does <laughs> really, and I'm sure what she'll tell me." And yeah. And at the end of the day, it probably does have moments where it's just another day in the office. Well, that's I'm exactly sure. what it is for me. I mean, there, there are some really amazing things. Like um, last year, the team on the one show, I wasn't on the team, but they won an award. At, um, I can't remember exactly what uh, award ceremony it was. Um, pro- a television award of some sort. But they won an award. BAFTAs? Maybe. I feel like it was like NTAs. I can literally. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, I think it was been, an yeah. NTA that they won. I'm not sure. There's a trophy in the office, but it was for a really amazing story about these contributors, and I I can't exactly remember what it was. But it's like there there are glimpses of moments where these people who work tirelessly all day every day to make this stuff, and don't forget what we make is for people to escape to. You watch the one show because you want to switch off after a long day at work or it's just background noise or whatever. It just, yeah, you just want a yeah, bit of feel exactly. good for five, exactly. ten minutes. So, you, yeah. I think, especially in the times at the moment with what the government have been saying and all of those things, like the arts are so important because factual television is involved in that and sport is involved in that and children's television is involved in that and it's so important that we're still around because actually for people's well-being just having something to switch off to to kind of absolutely like escape to that doesn't just mean cinema and it doesn't just mean drama it means all forms of art it means everything i mean yeah like documentaries and factual i mean come on the biggest the biggest show on netflix throughout the whole of lockdown was tiger king yeah which is all completely factual stuff it's not and look at attenborough at all, so. i mean like the attenborough programs have Absolutely. changed the uk completely. He, he's I just recently added another one and every time he does anything it's always the biggest hit 
at that exact moment when it comes I out. Was I was really mean, cross I because when Blue Planet came out, there was a private screening for staff at the BBC in Bristol. And I missed it because I was planning a shoot and David Attenborough was there doing a Q&A and I missed it. And they didn't tell us beforehand that he was going to be there. Can't believe you just admitted that to everyone. Can't believe you just well, admitted that. Well, it was, was a great shame of my life. I'm, I'm ashamed of you. There, I said it. <laughs> you can't see I'm it. I'm pretty sure. Maybe it's giving me a heavy <laughs> hit right now. He's definitely <laughs> been in the same building as me at the same time, but I've never seen him in real life. That is just so. How close to how close to Attenborough have you ever been? Hey. No, yeah. I mean, I don't get close to many, like, uh, like anyone in film ever because I have come to realise I do fanboy a lot. Oh no! <laughs> so. Did I did I tell you I met Joe Gilgan? Yeah, because I remember you, you know, commented on my picture and be like, he's from Charlotte. I, um, I'm very good friends <laughs> with Joe Gilgan's <laughs> cousin, actually. Because <laughs> they're all from Charlotte, yeah. right? Yeah, well, they're from Adlington, actually. All <laughs> oh, right, okay. Well, you said he was from Charlotte, so pick a side. Adlington is anyway, in the borough of Charlotte, but anyway, continue. Oh, fair enough. Um, I bumped into him in Melbourne, and I completely, well... I just was starstruck. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't speak. I was like, what? What? Uh? I don't know what's going on here. Like, I completely freaked out. So I don't think me being in the room with Attenborough, had he not even been having a conversation with me, would be a good Honestly, idea. Honestly, though, I think... <laughs> I'd start sweating. I, I think <laughs> if I was to meet kind of like my heroes, maybe, yeah, I would be like that. But actually, just working with these people all the time, you become immune to it. Like, they're just other people. They're just... Yeah. They're just your colleagues, yeah, exactly. aren't They're they? just people. Like I've worked with, like Matt Baker, Anita Rani, like lots of. Are you all on first name basis now? Well, yeah? they probably don't remember who I am now, but at the time <laughs> they know. Like if I was to call them, they would know who it was. Like that, I I got a Christmas card from um, uh, Gloria Hunniford this year. Oh, yeah, lovely. What this year or last year? Well, the last Christmas, last year yeah. or this year. Um, right okay sweet i was gonna say otherwise she's very mean <laughs> you card this year. but it's like but but these are just people and i think when you're when you're a fan of things like it's and i've been on location where fans have come over to people and stopped filming because like they want to talk to you and and talk with them and stuff and you have to be like hang on like this person is working this is their job you can't kind of intrude on that because nobody would come into your office and take your phone off you and stop you for... Do you know what I mean? Take selfies with you in the office. Um, But that's what fans are like, aren't they? They just, again, don't think about the hard work side. They just see what they want to see. Yeah, and that's I guess it. so. I mean, I I complete, if I was to meet some of my heroes, I'd probably freak out a bit. And like... Oh, but 100%. I do think you grow an immunity to it, especially in a work setting. Like, if you were to meet Joe Gilgun when you were on set, you'd probably be pretty chill. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, it, yeah, at any given time. Like, if it was a, a work-based scenario, you do just put everything aside and you're like, right, I'm focused. And to be fair, I'd probably also be that way because I'm like, I want to make sure I set a yeah. good impression. Like, I don't want to come in and be like, <gasps> Hi! <laughs> <laughs> they're like they'd be like oh get this, god get this, get, get this person yeah away they from would me. because yeah. imagine if someone was doing that Who's to you loud ass if someone summoner. was doing that to you you'd be like ah get away i mean i'd probably love yeah, it that's true if, if someone come up to me and are you that guy off that podcast I'd be like, oh, <laughs> again again 
It's all the time. Like it's relentless. <laughs> I can't cope with it. <laughs> you wish. Uh, I, yes, I do wish. But then I'd only wish for like ten minutes of like right. I'm over <laughs> it now. Well, let's just duck out of this because it's just gonna get boring. Uh right. So moving on. Uh, so we met at uni, as we have mentioned a few times yes. already. Uh, we did the same degree. And I, I had this conversation with Jack last time I had mm-hmm. him on the show. Um, side note for everyone listening, this show isn't just people from my <laughs> university. Uh, I am trying to branch out, but the only real people I know are people that I went to university with. So th- there's that. Um, but yeah, so we met at university uh, and we did the same degree. What I'd like to know is what you thought of the actual degree itself. Obviously, it was when we started there, it was its first year running. I believe they've become a little bit more successful with it now. Tightened it up a bit. Uh, we definitely were the guinea pigs. So I I personally felt that <laughs> a lot yeah. of times. Um, but yeah, what did you think of the degree? Like, how do you think it helped I mean, you? And how do you think it pushed you in the industry I and stuff like that? having worked where I have, you don't have to have a degree to work in television. You don't have to. It's it's a good idea, but the most important thing is experience. And what happened for me at university is I was given so many opportunities to go out and do stuff. And that's the only way to stand out from the crowd. That is the only way. Because if you don't have a CV, there's nothing to say, is there? Other than I made two films at uni. And, and I was so fortunate. I mean, God bless him. JB is the most amazing man in the whole world. Well, legend. What a legend. I mean, I remember I Absolute went on a legend. tour of the university before I even started and JB did the tour of the studio and my mum was like... Yeah, I, I yeah. remember that as well. I my mum was same. like, you need to get in with him because he will help you. And you know what? I did. And he's a great guy and I've... Oh, he loved you. Yeah. Absolutely idolised <laughs> you. Are you surprised? He was the Why are you so surprised? No, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Libby had everyone at university under like under her spell. Everyone loved her <laughs> lecture wise. Well, not everyone, but we'll not go into that. Yeah, well, yeah, some of the. I was once. So I was Daniel. once like shunned. We didn't name him last time, but I'm naming no, him now. No, there's there was another lecturer, and I don't even remember their name, and I'm not even going to mention it. But oh, I can't. right, describe them. Uh, no. I'm curious. I'll now. tell you later. Um, but I, we were in a lecture. I can't even remember what the the lecture was, what, what kind of lesson it was. I can't remember. But they put on this film and asked us what our opinion was of it. And I said, I think it was really pretentious and unnecessary. What was the it film? It was, um, what's his name? Alejandro in a retu, is that it? In your retu, yeah. Is that a person? Did I just make that up? No, um, uh, in your the guy yeah, who did um, the, the Revenant. Yeah, the, was it? What was the film? Was it Babel? No, it was like a short film. It was a short film about nine eleven, and it was like a few images of the twin towers flashing up on the screen with just like a soundscape. And I was like, I think that's pretentious, and they are making that to kind of like evoke people's emotions when actually that's a really serious yeah. and horrible thing and they should just document it as it happened rather than dram- like dramatizing that and yeah and this lecturer was not pleased that i had said that and basically just like shunned me but that's really weird why that's really weird that they'd say that like 
So the film you're specific was it a film like an actual film? No, it wasn't feature length. It was a short film, like like um, like a three minute film on YouTube or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, it's weird that a lecturer at university would hate also an also their I own. was told. Oh, what did they say? Uh, it was either about my idea or about my film that it was too arty farty. And I was like, excuse me, am I not doing... Not a lecture Am of I not bar. doing a Bachelor of Arts? <laughs> no. <laughs> Clearly not. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Fuming I was. <laughs> yeah, but how you... I mean, we got that a lot though, didn't we? Yeah. A lot of the... Like, it, I found that a lot of the lecturers were like, yeah, I don't really like your opinion, uh, like your idea, so therefore it's wrong. And I was like, okay, sweet. Well, this is where creativity is a subjective art form because, well, just sub- not even an art form, it's a subjective mm. thing. Like, because everyone's going to have different uh, yeah. like, opinions on it. Oh. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't oh. know if they've worked out the kinks of that particular degree, but I have to say, like, I do owe my whole career to it. And had I have not gone there and not done that degree, I wouldn't be where I am now. So, I am grateful, but I mean, it was it was difficult, and I even had to complain about individual lectures or people or whatever to because because I think it was really important, especially when your kind of degree is the first of its kind at that particular institution, is telling them what was wrong with it. You, they need to understand what we didn't like about it, what needed to be different. And it wasn't... Yeah, especially if I'm paying X amount of money But it's not even it just well. that. Like it's not even it. just trying to be critical. It's constructively being critical and telling them, like, this is something you need to change about how this is working because I am paying, as you say, I'm paying a lot of money to be here and I'm not learning or I'm learning in an incorrect way or this isn't useful or what they need to understand that because if they want it to kind of continue then then surely they want to understand the kinks do you know what i mean so they can work on it who doesn't want constructive criticism to be better that's exactly what it's for so i think there were a certain number of us that would not necessarily complain but have a lot to say about the development of the course and how things could be better and and i know you and jack talked about ed and mark last week but they were our saving grace. I mean, before that, we had oh, oh, we, we had Rich them. and JB, who were the most amazing people. And like, I, I'm forever in their debt because I, I, I went and had a drink with them um, while I was living in Bristol. I came back to Bath and and I did a little talk for one of the classes, and we went for a drink afterwards. And I just did yeah, you? it was so nice. What did you talk oh, about? Oh, me, of course. <laughs> what else do I talk about? Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I agreed to come on here is because it gives me a chance to talk about myself for an hour. You mean, like, you mean I get to just talk about myself for a bit? <laughs> okay, if I have to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic. But yeah, no, That's what I was good. saying is I, I went for a drink with those guys and I, lit- I think Ellie Pinnock came as well and it was really sweet. And I was just like, I just wanted to say thank you to everybody because they were literally, as I said, our saving grace. They're the only, re- like Mark is the only reason I have a job now is because, and sure, I probably would have got a job anyway, but like, had he have not put my name forward to that individual, I wouldn't have been in this position. Yeah, And then we've always known that, isn't it? It's always a case of who you Absolutely. know and not what you know. And so I think a degree like that is a good place to... If, even if you don't learn that much, it's a good place to get but contacts. But I don't, I don't think and it's I, necessarily 
not what you know. You need to understand how things work. You need to know stuff. <laughs> you can't you can't just not know anything. But it is I think it's equally as important of who you know, definitely, because there are always things coming up that people just go, oh, I know such a body, let's get them in quick because everything is so quick and so fast turnaround, especially in the industry that I work in, that it's like, oh, quick, I need somebody to do this tomorrow. Bam, I know that person, quick, get them in, they're great. And it works both ways if you're not, if you don't get a very good review from people. I trust people's opinions and if somebody tells me not to use an individual for a certain job, I won't because I trust their opinion. So, reputation is so important absolutely oh 100% 100% um well I I found something very similar obviously I've taken a very different route to yourself uh I've gone a more freelance route um which obviously is a lot more probably casual probably a bit more relaxed um I don't know if that's just me personally well I imagine (laughs) I don't know because I work for a corporation it's in the title Yes, and I work for myself. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I pick my own hours, which is a real mentality I've got to get out of, and I have realised that as well. But I've been working with this particular client um, here, and I've got to know him through my stepdad, who works in a sort of similar field. He does web design, um, but he works for a lo- the local council around here, who work- and his boss is someone that also does web design and video work. And so I've got sort to know him and he just keeps giving me work and work. And he's always like coming up to me and be like, right, I've got this opportunity. I've got this opportunity. And it's like, it's a real, like I would have struggled getting like building up sort of my show reel without him because now having him, it gives me the opportunity to be like, yes, I've got this experience. Yes, I've got that. And it's given, it's propelled that further as well. So there is an element of, yes, who you know mm. does help, but obviously you've got to back that up because I've had to go to those shoots and then sort of go, right, well, now I yeah, have to exactly. do it. I have to now prove to these clients that I can do what I can. I say I can do. Obviously, so the two do go hand yeah. in hand. I absolutely agree. You can't go in with the mentality of going, oh, I know this person, they'll sort me out. Okay, well, now you're there. What I think are you there's, do? A, there's also a huge something. kind of thing about uni students coming out of their degree and expecting it to appear because the world owes them because they've worked really hard and yes you have worked really hard but that's just the start of the hill mate you have no idea and also you haven't worked that hard university is not i don't know i think i think think we had a hard time a lot like i only think we had a hard time because we didn't know what we were doing and nor did the lecturers because it was a whole every year we did was new Mm every year we did so all three years those lecturers had not done that before and nor had we so therefore i think everyone was still feeling it out that's the that, that's that and i often felt like it was being filled out mm. you know what i mean like i don't know it's just yeah sounds like you have you but, have a lot but, of hostility about it tyler yeah yeah i think perhaps <laughs> i do perhaps i should just do an hour <laughs> And maybe episode three is just me and I just air out my laundry about basketball <laughs> universities, film, TV and digital production degree. Uh, maybe. No, no, not at all. Like, I am totally appreciative of the opportunities we had. Uh, obviously, I didn't jump at as many opportunities. Uh, in hindsight, I fully regret that. But I, you know, I did a few. I did go to a few sort of extra, like, filming outside yeah, of... Yeah, I mean... It's interesting because so when I first spoke to JB, 
on that first day and he was like that there is a difference between graduates there are the people that get a degree and there are people that get a degree and experience and doing the extra stuff can sometimes be what puts you forward ahead of the game and I think that's just that's just why like Every time an email came out with work experience opportunities, I was the first person on that list. I would check my emails daily to make sure that I get everything, even if it was stuff that I didn't want to do. Like, I can't even think. I did a really awful shoot one time with this green screen in the studio, and this guy was so horrible to me that was directing it. I can't remember his name, but he was a poncy arsehole. And... um, We won't name him, even if you do remember, in case opportunities come up again. Meh. I'll probably employ no, him. Okay, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> How the tables have turned. No, but he was so he was so misogynistic and like I it ended up that he was like, um, I need you to drive to Bristol and get some camera tape. And I had to leave the studio and go and get camera tape and I was like, You Did he say please? Did he at least say please? Because I found that that doesn't happen. I think that people often. um Manners go out the window when you work in a professional environment that they think. But it's but it's when, when especially you, when there is that sort of hierarchy. But it's when you're working for free. I found it. I worked on an event for free not that long ago, and as somebody that's worked in the industry for two years, I was still being treated like I didn't matter. And I was like, hang on a second, I am not. I'm not getting experience for this. I am not. This is no benefit to me. I am doing you a favor. So how come you did that? Well, because they asked for volunteers. And I was like, I'll help them out. I'll volunteer. And I was treated so poorly that I was like, never again will I put myself out there and help somebody in that situation because you just get treated like dirt. And I think I think that's there's a big problem with the industry in getting into the industry is that unless you can afford to move to London and work for free, you're not going to get in. It's just because you, you need that chance to work unpaid and get those experiences and you don't you don't do that unless you can afford to so what you're saying is going to university and doing film degrees and then working in careers in film and television is for middle class no i don't think it's not for them but i think the industry but it's definitely geared towards them industry is definitely unfortunately biased and and there are there are a lot of schemes like there's a scheme called creative access that helps people from kind of um less privileged backgrounds get into the industry and that's amazing but there's only a select few people that get into that and there are so many people out there that would love to work in these jobs that just don't have the same opportunities and had my parents not been able to afford for me to go in, to london for 2 weeks which costs so much money by the way i i, I yeah i don't even i beg to i beg to like I yeah think about imagine it, a hotel for two weeks in london just imagine that no and i wasn't getting paid for that but that was an amazing that actually jb got me that gig because he knew somebody that worked at the production company and that's how i got there and again connections that's how you get into these things but had i not been able to afford it i, I live in lancashire I, I, I can't travel to london every day so of course. I think there is a, that's a real problem in the industry, to be honest, that um, it's a lot of middle class. I mean, I, I don't class myself as middle class, but I have, I'm have i fortunate enough to have parents that care enough about my career that would kind of put money aside for that. So thanks, mum and dad. But um, 
shout out to mum and dad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, no, I think it is a real problem. And and I mean, degrees are good in that. Uh, essentially, essentially, I say this lightly. Anyone can get a degree. Essentially, I mean, I I agree with that. And to be and fair. so uh, that means that there are equal opportunities for the people on those degrees. Like you and I had the same chances, didn't we? But I did different ones to you. Like somebody from a a, a a different background could do different things. That's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. But I do yeah, think yeah. there is a real problem. I do agree, though. I think I think anybody can go and get a degree these days. That doesn't mean everyone's going to have a very equal time at no. university. Um, of course. Like even in, in every aspect of doing a degree you know some people live a lot more comfortably like some people i i know people at university that didn't have to work all the way through they just had someone providing for them all the way that was not a case obviously i did have help at university i can't lie about that but that came with i will only help you if you help yourself i had to have a job and if i wasn't allowed to go to university unless i had a mm. job lined up which i'm kind of thankful for it gives you that sort of mentality that right, right sweet if you want something you have to have to earn yeah it you've well. got to work you towards to it job. yeah it gave me something to work towards and it it, 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 dri- it drives i also like, think that passion in me i a also bit think more. a really good thing about kind of doing those hospitality or like shop front jobs is like retail. <sighs> that's what i mean the word, the word is retail, <laughs> but, but what i'm trying to say is doing those jobs kind of just for me especially where i worked at uni i will not name names because it was the death of me but like it just pushed i can't remember where you no, were we don't need to talk about it. but it just pushed me away from that like i just i was like i definitely don't want to work here ever again i'll do anything to make sure that i no, don't have no, to do yeah. that yeah mm. same he says as he's probably gonna do it <sighs> i still work in a pub okay i still work in a pub <laughs> But yeah, no, I agree. If I didn't, the only reason I'm doing it, obviously, this is the dark side of working freelance. Um, if I knew that I was getting enough work consistently that I didn't have to do this, obviously I wouldn't. Um, but being freelance, you know, you have got to, you have got to accept that there are times where you have just got to do what you got to do to get by. But yes, I I completely agree. Uh, once I officially duck out of doing retail or hospitality once and for all. I physically will not do it again. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, everybody's situation is different. But I just mean, like, working through university and stuff just gave me kind of a push away from that. I was just like, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. Let me do anything else. And that just, it just made me kind of hungry for success, I guess. And, like, I was was quite... Well, that's good. That is the most positive takeaway from it. definitely. Um, I can't remember what we were talking Sorry, about. I did cut you off. I, poly- I completely apologise. I absolutely <laughs> cut you off just then. Uh, I have a habit of that. I just go, oh, I've got a thought. Let me just say it really quickly. <laughs> um, we were talking about uni. What we were, were we saying? Yeah, we, we, we were talking about uni. And uh, university, right, yeah. But So why did you choose the uni route? Um, we, well, like, I kind of touched on this before my parents wanted me to get a degree so that I could get a job and and actually it's really amazing my mum kind of said to me recently like 
and I never really saw it like this before, but she was like, I never want you to have to depend on somebody else to survive. She was like, she, my mum's had three girls and she was like, all my girls are going to be independent and they're going to be able to run their own lives and they're not going to need somebody else, man, woman, otherwise. And I bet they are. I bet you all are. Well, if I do say so myself. <laughs> to be fair, I can say from experience that, you know, I haven't seen Libby in three years. Like, I think this is the first time I've... I know we're not sat face-to-face. Obviously, we're sat X amount of miles away from it. Probably, what, two, three hundred yeah, miles from each so. other? Right? Um, as a, and I, she hasn't changed in the slightest. Uh, we, we we talked about 25, 30 minutes before this. And uh, I was like, sweet. It's the same old Libby who is still the baddest bitch in the world. <laughs> uh, there you go. Thank you, Nikki Burke, for making me the baddest bitch. <laughs> yeah, just shout out Sneaky Burke. Uh, your daughter is the the baddest but, bitch. But <laughs> she taught me a really good lesson, though, and it was like the point the point that she was making wasn't that it was essential for me to have a degree. It was essential that I could look after myself and not have to rely on anybody else, and I can do that. And for for that, I'm very thankful because as a teenager, I was I was very rebellious and I wanted to go and be a fairy drama queen so <laughs> you could have just left it a fairy and i'd have gone sweet i get that <laughs> yeah. i just wanted to be a a fairy who doesn't i guess That'd probably be like... quite a nice life <laughs> yeah i mean tinkerbell's not complaining i've not actually i think she's quite once, grumpy so i think that's the whole point actually that is yeah maybe being a fairy isn't all it is mm. cracked up to be uh, or i just don't know a lot about peter pan which I don't know. is that yeah, a good thing go. or a bad thing um, who knows I don't know. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Uh, I guess it doesn't really matter. I'm not sure anyone's going to go, Tyler doesn't know a lot about Peter Pan. Like, What can we trust him on at this point? <laughs> you know, you choose. Um, okay, so my next question for you, uh, probably it's going to take a little bit of a dark turn here, I guess. Although, maybe not. I'm hoping, you know, I know. Uh, bugger it. So, You've been working in this industry then for about three years, yep. uh, three and a bit years. What are some of the t- tougher challenges that you've faced working in this industry? Some that people from the outside might not understand. Now, I know we talked about the hard work that goes on behind. Uh, but f- for you, like, and I know this is probably, th- I, I, I don't want to word this in a way that's going to be like, all right, Tyler, Jesus. But obviously working as a woman in an industry that for a long, long time has been predominantly a male mm-hmm. industry um how's that been for you like what like has there been any experiences for you that have been like oh not not a fan mm-hmm. of that i'd be lying if i said there wasn't i mean being in a woman being a woman in the industry is hard it's hard for everybody I, i'm not taking away the fact that it's hard for men too but there is there are so many times that I feel like I am spoken to in a way that I wouldn't be spoken to if I was male. Like, pat her on the head because she doesn't really know what she's talking about kind of thing. Yeah, patronizing. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And um, normally that comes from men, obviously. And I think, like you say, the industry's always been very predominantly male. And there was one occasion, actually, whilst I was at university, I went to do a um, work experience on a production. And before going, I was told by somebody 
um, make sure that you don't wear anything too revealing because men on set will use that. And I can't remember the exact words, but it was basically telling me to cover myself up because otherwise I will get flirted with and it will become a thing. What? Yeah. And that actually... In this modern day? Nah. Yeah. And that actually really upset me. I was like, how how dare somebody tell me how I should be dressing? And it's not even the point that they said that. It's the fact that it's still a thing. That if I was to wear a top lower than this, nobody can see what I'm wearing right now, but... Um, Men can apparently not control yeah, themselves. Yeah, apparently that, no. that makes you the butt of the joke or whatever. I mean, don't get me wrong, being kind of like a chatty northern girl has like worked its advantages before people find me approachable um, absolutely i have absolutely no doubt in my yeah, mind yeah no that, people really. people find me approachable <laughs> they feel like they can talk to me i'll have a laugh and a giggle but i'll never take it inappropriately but i do think that there are some people in the industry that do and it's usually people who are older that back in the day it was fine to be like that um but on that occasion nobody did say anything particularly gruesome it was just the fact that i was being warned about it that upset me really that is weird like especially you know going to a shoot no matter how many times you've done it i know you said like oh it's just another day in the office but like if you're working on a production they're probably still in that mind like right i've got to show up today like i've got to do my job i'm already nervous like i'm i've done several shoots now working for myself i'm still nervous if someone was to say to me beforehand, right, don't do this, don't wear that, perhaps don't say this and perhaps, you know, ease up on that, that's going to be a really daunting experience. I'm like, oh my Christ, that's going to be all I think about when I, that isn't what, that isn't the concerns I should mm. be thinking about. So I imagine that must be like a, just adds a bit more pressure. Yeah, and I think it's potentially things that men don't have to worry about sometimes. Like, which is frustrating, but, I mean, there's a lot of things that, and I'm not, I'm not saying women have a harder time than men. I think equally people trying to be in the industry and get into the industry have a difficult time. But from my personal experience, those, those things have been difficult. And it's really, where I work, there's a really nice like band of women that are supportive and want, like if you have a good employer, they will care about you and they will care about what is said to you and how you're treated. And I'm lucky enough to be in a comfortable position where I can go to my superiors and say, look, this has been inappropriate. This person is talking down to me in a way that they shouldn't be. And had I have been male, they probably wouldn't be. Um, and those people will kind of take the action that's required if they see it fit. And I think sometimes people just don't feel like they can say those things because they're like, oh, I'm like making it a thing when it isn't. But actually, surely this is the time to kind of talk about those things. Like the whole Harvey Weinstein thing brought everything to light for everyone. Like there are so many things happening in the world that we're not aware of because people are too afraid to say anything and it's not okay. And No, 100%. It's not okay. And it it baffles me that even now people are still like you, you know all the weinstein thing came to light and suddenly things start cropping up and even now things are still cropping up i'm like what how are people still getting away like even if it is only like a month or so later than when the last story came out how are people still getting yeah. away with it like it just 
But it's but it's because it, it absolutely but it's because me. of power and it's because people in positions of power can kind of control that situation where it's like, well, you can't tell anyone because this I had I had a reasonably horrible situation just in that there was somebody that I'd worked with who was in kind of scripted productions um, that was kind of suggesting they could help me get into the role that I had always dreamed of. And I thought, oh my God, this is amazing. This is fantastic. Offering to meet me for coffee and go for dinner, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, oh my God, amazing. And this was all via kind of like WhatsApp and stuff. And the conversation just completely turned and stopped being professional, basically. And it was at this point, I was like, this is so unfair that this individual who was kind of like 25 years older than me is now making this conversation something that it shouldn't have been inappropriate it, it was inappropriate and i mean i'm not going to go into detail like it wasn't an awful thing that they were saying but it made me feel uncomfortable and at that point i was like Do you know what yeah. i don't need to go for a coffee well, with you that, that, no but if it makes you uncomfortable then it is an awful thing to say and the fact is is they were probably aware of the fact that it was an awful thing to mm. say i'm not sure if they would um, know because there's uh, hmm, see i don't i don't agree i can't imagine i don't think anyone's ever gone in like, I know this isn't relevant to the podcast we're talking, but let's say in a situation where I've been flirting with someone, sure, right? I've always known that the messages I've been sending is probably going to go, oi, oi, this is going to spark a bit of reaction. And there's no way in his mind that he probably sent you that message and thought, oi, oi, this is going to spark a reaction because that's just what it is. It's just, I don't know. I don't know. I think people just play dumb or just plead ignorance. Yeah. It's just, well, in yeah. that situation, I just kind of chose to stop speaking to that person because... Because it's not worth it. It's not you can you can make it on your own without having to put up with that stuff. And I just don't think Yeah. I don't think that that's something people are very aware of either. Yeah, yeah. Uh and that's the thing is I think people see because there was that I remember coming out over uh that show came out over lockdown. Hollywood? Did you watch it on Netflix? Uh actually quite a good show to be fair, but a lot of that show dealt with a lot of sort of I'd say issues that, yeah, well, obviously, obviously issues that were very much a thing during the golden era, golden age era of Hollywood was obviously the inequality, the racism and stuff like that. And there was all those sort of problems then, like people were having to do sexual things in order to get to positions of power. And it's the same with that film Bombshell. Um, oh yeah i've seen that that's pretty good margot robbie had to obviously do so and so with what's his face to get to a position of power and obviously Uh, spoiler alert well it's not a spoiler alert it's a real life story (laughs) so (laughs) it's if you haven't seen it uh actually it's a good film to be fair Uh, i watched that at an open air cinema in uh, in australia it was quite good like i'm all outdoor it was lovely it was uh anyway that doesn't matter um but yes you know that show hollywood came out it dealt with themes of like racism sexism people having to do sexual things in order to get to get roles or get positions that they wanted to work in in film and stuff like that and i think what people don't realize is that that is still maybe it's not happening so vigorously that's the word i want to use maybe it's not happening so vigorously as much today but it does still happen you know i think people do sexuality will always be a thing that gets people places they don't want to be 
But it, maybe it's not a sort of, you know, oh, I slept with this person to get a director role. Oi, oi, I'm going to chat you up and be a bit inappropriate. And if you don't play back, it's going to be a bit weird now. So I probably won't give you the job. Mm. I mean, I maybe, mean I I'm not know. suggesting I'm a victim of any sort. I'm just... 100%. No, I'm not either. I'm, I, all I'm saying is like, there are inappropriate things that happen that I think happen because I'm a woman. And that if, if there was a guy... I mean, unless obviously they were into guys, I don't know. But like, I just don't think it's as likely to have happened. Or maybe that's wrong. I don't know. But I just think like... Yeah, no. I mean, it probably happens in places such more like in Hollywood. Like, I feel like it's still... In in places like America, I feel like that's probably still a thing that happens. Um, I can't imagine it happening too much over uh, here. But then again, I don't know. Mm. Um, but either way, it's not a thing that's gone away as much as people might think it has. You know, we they, they present it in shows or TV shows that are things that happened in the past. But the reason they use those past examples is because they're very prominent things that can show the things that are still happening in a modern day. Yeah, sure. Beca- because, they're, 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 you know, you want to hear the striking story. People want to hear the striking stories. And that's the best way to sort of describe the issues that are still very prominent in modern day. It's the same with films that you see about racism. They're always films that take place years ago during the slavery period, but they're still happening yeah. today. Like, so I guess, yeah. And I think, but people probably don't connect the dots there a little bit, you know? Oh, okay. Why is this relevant now? Well, it's always relevant yeah. now, isn't it? It's going to be a thing that happens yeah, forever. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, with all these sort of things then and the challenges, well, are there anything else other than, you know, be like other challenges you faced working in the industry? I mean, industry? yeah, uh, we face challenges every day. The whole point of like my role is kind of problem solving and like adapting to those things. I think within the industry itself, there's a constant um, fear of not having work. Because everything is so up in the air. You're constantly on short contracts or day contracts or whatever. And um, some people are lucky enough to be employed as staff. Some people don't want to be staff. Some people want the opportunity to kind of work on different things. But it will only ever be kind of like towards the end of one contract that you find out what you're doing next. And I've, I've found that so many times like during contracts I'll go for interviews for things that I'll never get but I'll go for a casual conversation with somebody two days before I finish on a different program and I'll get the job and I'll be there for six months and and it's just it's so inconsistent that it it, it causes some I, it, I it scares me I, I do get like a lot of anxiety about that because I've still got bills to pay yeah <laughs> mm, yeah of course uh, that, that that's so like even now with the one show and thing is that like uh i've got an end date on like, my contract yeah that's crazy yeah. That, is that, that must be such a daunting feeling it is i mean but i've been fortunate enough to since working at the bbc i've never had a career break i've never stopped working in those three years i took one week off i asked to delay my um contract when i'm so when i moved from bristol i was working in sport and I asked them, can I delay my um, contract by a week just so that I could decorate the house that I was moving mm-hmm. into, basically. Um, that's the only time. That's the only <laughs> time that I've not been. I love that. I absolutely yeah, love that. Yeah, that's essential. But like, other than that, I've been constantly employed, which is amazing considering 
it's all up in the air all the time. But that just that says a lot about you as a person, I think, as well. You've always been someone I've known that's very driven mm. and very career focused. So I can imagine you're like, right, sweet. What's yeah, no, I'm definitely proactive in that way. Like I want to know what's next, but also I think it's because I'm a control freak. And if I don't know what's coming next, I freak out about it. I'm like, oh, oh yeah. Okay. Oh. Yeah, no, I, I was going to say, you yeah, know, I agree with that, but I'm, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm sort of like, yeah, what will happen, what will happen. And I'm like, I need to stop mm. doing that. Like, come on, come on. We're at university. I've been to Australia now. I need to get back in the zone, you know? It sounds like you are, though. It just takes time, doesn't it? It does take time. And to be fair, coming back from Oz, I had moments where I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I've not been here for nearly two years. Everything I know is not the same. But I live with, I'm fortunate enough to live with two people that are very career driven and they both sort of have started their own businesses, I guess. Like they work independently. My mum obviously is, she, she, yeah, they both work and have their own businesses and very got very entrepreneurial mindset. So it was, it was sort of easy for me to get into it in that respect. But so now I'm sort of like, okay, right. What's what's what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? But people like yourself, I'd say, are probably a lot further down the line than I am. Mm. But and don't get me yeah, wrong. It's, it's, I, I once a month will question what I'm doing with my life. I will always be like, oh, what do what do I want to do? Why am I doing this? What am I going to do next? Like every every week, every month, I'll yeah. Really, I cannot see that for you. Yeah, there's been times where I've applied. I've applied for like jobs in schools or like random things like um I once applied for something that was like um I can't think what it's called now an outdoorsy place anyway and I was just like I need to do something different this isn't what I do anymore but it's just I think it's human nature that people go like like what am I doing what do I want to do where do I want to go I think we're naturally like not programmed to do the same thing for the rest of our lives and it's okay if that's the case i think it's coming to terms yeah, with that of course and uh, that is always a struggle isn't it some people do struggle to come to terms with that and obviously that is just part of life like there are multiple times where i've just been like i feel like i've hit rock bottom but i haven't i just don't know what i'm doing at the moment but everybody goes through and that you, and literally everyone but everybody also everybody goes that through I that speak to kind of friends and family people in the industry people out of the industry everybody does the same thing and it's and it's so easy to think when you're a teenager like oh this is what I want to do and I'm going to do that forever and then when it's happening for maybe the grass would be greener somewhere else or whatever is is completely natural it's, it's yeah 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 fair enough um I completely agree with that as well um so my next question for you then with all this sort of things in mind like oh what is my next step mm. like when will i get my next life do you think that's had like an effect on because here's something i guess something people don't really talk about as well um especially me i i probably a conversation i need to have with myself do you think it has an effect on your mental health um yeah <laughs> to put it bluntly sure, short answer <laughs> yes well it's a very open question isn't it that because i think everything affects our mental health if we let it Oh, 100%, yes. But, like, what sort of effect do you think it, like... Because every... I mean, for me, and that was, I know that was such sort of a 
broad question but like for me working in film has always been a dream of mine for the last eight Mm. years right i don't think about how it's gonna affect me or the consequence or the consequences of on me personally um i sort of rock up to a shoot i'll do the shoot but being freelance and working on some of the shoots i've come to realize ah i there's things about this i don't like it's i'm not enjoying this like i feel like i'm i'm not getting to the place i want to be getting Mm. to i don't know like it is it has affected me and it feels like i don't want to turn up for work some days and i guess that i just want to you know like what what do you think about that sort of thing yeah, as well? Sure. Like, I mean, I don't know. for me, I think we all have our own demons, don't we? We all have our own issues. My particular demons are things like guilt. I feel guilt so heavily sometimes. And that means that I can take on more than I need to. Like I'll take the burden of work home with me and I will stress about it for hours on end. If there's something that I've done that I was out of my control, I'll be stressed. Why Why was it out of my control? Why did that not go to plan? And those things can definitely be detrimental to your mental health because it means that you're unable to switch off from work. And, and you need, it's exactly what I was saying at the top of this kind of podcast is like, you need chance to get away from work and escape and have that, sort of release of energy and stuff and if you are unable to kind of switch off from work that can really cause you a lot of pain and I mean I get I get stressed and anxious about work when I'm asleep (laughs) I wake up stressed about work things or like there's so many occasions where I've kind of logged onto my laptop early or 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 stayed on a lot later because I want to get things done and I think oh I try and preempt stuff but it's a never-ending list of demands this job and things will come out of the woodwork like that you'll get thrown things at you constantly that although you have to be so good at prioritizing and you have to really kind of know what needs to happen and when it needs to happen is like something else will just slip in at last minute and it'll be high priority and you have to drop everything else and do and it's like kind of the anticipation of that anxiety I guess can I think it can have a real strain on you and like places that I've worked have been really kind of make sure you're taking your breaks, make sure that you go out for walks, especially during lockdown. I mean, everybody's suffering in lockdown because you're... Com- yeah, I don't think that's had a real help on anything at this sort of time no. this, in this current climate. No, really. and I think some people can feel really isolated, especially if you're like a team worker. I mean, I personally feel like I get more work done when I'm on my own because even in the office, I would put my headphones in and listen to music to kind of zone out because I'm so easily distracted. If somebody starts talking, I want to chat and I'll be like, oh, let me join in. But if I'm at home, I can't do that. So I'm I'm no. much more productive working on my own. But but I, 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 I'm very similar as well. Like, I switch off very quickly. Like, if someone starts talking to me, heaven forbid I will ever finish the task I had started. So I, I, I get that, which is why I probably would not really want to work from home. And being locked in an edit suite, as much as I love doing it, I have to have the... Like, yes, they might not be helpful, but you have to have those moments where you can sort of switch off and go, oh, I want to have that conversation with someone and talk about... Talk absolutely... Just talk yeah. nonsense for the next half an hour. You have to have those moments. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really important for people to take breaks away from their screens as well. Like I've noticed my eyesight's getting worse and it's just because I look at a computer all day. Mine too. And that's like, it's just one of those things. But like... I I, have had moments as well. Like 
sorry, just, uh, you know, saying about taking breaks from the screen. I've come to realize I've developed a sort of, I don't know if it's vertigo, but being in front of a front uh, computer screen all day makes me constantly dizzy and makes me want mm. to be sick all the time. And it's like, oh, this is grim. So I, do, I get it. Yeah. And you need to have this. But it was difficult during lockdown to have those moments where you can go, right, I need to go and step away. Yeah, and do I think, um, I mean, I've taken lockdown in my stride, really. And I feel like I, I love working from home. And it means that I've got more time because I was commuting 40 minutes minimum every day there and back. Like it takes up like... Was that yeah, drive? I've got to drive to Salford from here and the traffic in the morning is always awful. So some days it could take me an hour and a half to get to work. There's a huge chunk of my day that's taken away from me. Whereas at home, I start when I start and I finish when I finish and then I'm here and I don't have to worry about it. So that for me is great. Mm. But I do think it took some learning of how to switch off because, because I would yeah. just keep doing things even beyond like, I mean, I was working today and we had to, kind of push things back because I was still working beyond when I was supposed to be like I can be bad for that but I think people are becoming a lot more kind of understanding and aware that people need their own time and they need to have breaks and they need to be away from their computer for, yeah, for their mental health and I mean there's a lot of people that I think for their own brains need to be back in the office and need to be around people because they can't they're very isolated now that they're in lockdown and stuff. But I think even when we go back to the office, it's not going to be the same. We're going to be we're going to be isolated in a room full of people. Yeah. Personally, I think. Oh, 100%. So have you been working from home like all through lockdown or did you come back? No, I've... Uh, did you go back? So you've not been back to an office? No, the... Do you think that's ever going to be a possibility? Um, I think there's talk of next year going back into the office but it, it might be split between working from home and working in the office i don't know what i yeah. don't know what the plans are to be honest because so it's scary. not really i mean this is much senior than i am but i think i i'd be happy with a couple of contact days and the rest of the time working from home to be honest yeah i think a lot of people seem to share that sort of mindset i think the idea of being in a building yeah. with no windows and air conditioning flowing through the whole building full of like 600 people terrifies me yeah. because that is like a breeding oh, ground so. for coronavirus yeah, that's literally like covid's gonna be like i'm gonna have a field uh, yes. day here it's dinner time but no i agree but a couple of days contact just to have the contact i think that's the key word there yeah. isn't it you know, you have to have moments where you need to you need to have a bit of human contact because otherwise you just sort of feel like oh, it's the same thing over and over again and it's driving yeah. me insane. Yeah, and like we were saying earlier, like people are constantly on Zoom calls, on Skype calls. You Skype your mum and dad, yeah. you Skype your friends, you Skype at work. You're constantly talking yeah. over a screen and it's not the same. It's definitely not. And I don't get me wrong, Libby, I'm having a lovely time. <laughs> this is a great show. But if we were in person, oh, I should be so, you know, it'd be mm. lovely. It'd be lovely. But, you know, I won't take away from the experience that we have. And obviously, I am fortunate that we do get opportunities like mm -hmm. this. But yes, I completely agree. You have to have some real face-to-face like face -face interaction sometimes because otherwise it can just feel a bit like, oh, what's the point? It's bleak. <laughs> what am I doing it's with bleak. my life? It is so bleak. And it was bleak for yeah. a long time, early this year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's talk about something a little bit lighter. <laughs> I guess that was quite. I mean, to be fair, it's 
been some amazing subjects, but you know, let's 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 talk about something a little bit more relevant for me and you. Okay. I guess. <laughs> so me and Libby, uh, we we only worked on possibly one film together. You did help me for my documentary. God, but I don't want to talk about that one. Do you remember that? No. Do you remember my documentary? I was working with Steve Mills. Uh, Steve, oh, you okay. Steve Mills. Uh, love him, great lad. But he dropped out of uni. Uh, sorry, Steve. <laughs> He'll probably never listen to this. So <laughs> probably uh, doesn't know who we are. I was, I was left. I was left to do his documentary idea that I had no idea about, which would have been fine. But the issue was that his documentary was about a band that he was. Oh friends my with. god! But, was it remember? that Irish bar? Cyberpunk. Yeah, and we did the shoot at Flash. Yes. Do you remember? Fucking hideous. Oh my god, I totally Sorry, forgot I about that. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, so that was that. But that was the and then we hadn't worked on anything together, but you helped me with that because we interviewed people on the street. Yes. Do you remember we did a few like yes, cool. But we hadn't worked on anything ever since. Apart from third year, we decided to there was four of us. Uh, I did speak about this with Jack on the last mm-hmm. episode. Uh, here is perfect again guys i will not be talking about this on every episode it just so happens that i am talking to people that i work unless you get jack burton Um, on the show and then you probably if i get jack burton on the show i would love to get jack on the show but i don't think i will get jack on the show um but i don't know like i I mean yeah maybe you might want to come on and have a chat i'd love to have a chat with jack burton it's been a long time um but here is perfect was the name of the film uh that's yeah was Uh, it perfect Ooh, here is wrong, not perfect. Uh, you ha- already have a very different opinion to Jack. <laughs> here Williams. is perfect. Yeah, Jack Williams. <laughs> here is perfect. <laughs> right, right. Well, that, I, that, that already perfect. sort of semi-answers my... F- <laughs> that already semi-answers my first question, which was, what were your thoughts on <laughs> It was a joke. Sweet, there we go. Straight up. You were the producer yes. of the film. Uh, we all took individual roles. I was director. Jack Williams was di- uh, director of photography slash camera. Jack Burton was sound. Uh, the three of us boys wrote the film. And you were our producer, which credit where it's due. You did a fantastic job. You know what? Job. I will never we forget were... the day that the only time I could get you guys round for a production meeting was when I told you there would be Bailey's. I had to whack out the alcohol to get you guys to come and talk to me. Yeah, well, I mean, what's changed? I'm sat here drinking cider, so nothing's <laughs> changed. It's the only way you can talk to me, Tyler, is if you're pissed, obviously. Yeah, I'll do... Oh, all right, Libs, I'll do a podcast, but am I allowed to get pissed? <laughs> yes. No, I always have a... You know, it's, it's, it's like a little ritual I've started now. Like, it's a few drinks on the podcast, mm-hmm. but there you go. There you go. No. Um, so, yeah, what were your overall thoughts on the project itself? I mean, for it was ambitious for a third year film. I think that's fair oh, to say. We took a lot on. Yeah. We took a we lot did, on. We did, and I don't think we knew that. Especially when we wanted Jeremy Irons. <laughs> <laughs> we were literally... No, we were like, we're I getting, emailed him. We're I getting. emailed him. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I remember. Then, do you remember who we got instead? Your your old man, Daddy Burke, star of the Daddy show. Daddy Burke, fuck you, Jeremy Irons. <laughs> my dad, my my dad Burke. still likes to say that he took on a role that Jeremy Irons turned down. <laughs> Honestly, but that isn't that is incorrect. True. That is it's factual. True. <laughs> like that, is, I would live by that. <laughs> oh bless him. We had such a nice time. 
And to be fair, being on set was oh. great. We had we had a great time. It was just it was a lot. There was a lot of actors, and there was a lot to get done, and there was some complications. And I mean, we tried to kind of re-edit it afterwards because there was talk of it going into festivals. <laughs> and um. <laughs> I know, I know. And, and basically, like... We were not ready for that. Half the film's well, silent. Well, this is the thing. We were like, if we're going to enter it into anything, this needs reshooting. But that wasn't an option because we weren't students anymore. So we weren't allowed to do it. So I was like, I literally was like, okay, well, well if you... We could have done it, but we'd have had to have... It would have been one of those things that we'd have actually had to dedicate yeah. time to rather than, okay, we need to do this for our degree. Um, and I think... Quite literally after we graduated, I abandoned this film and hoped to never see it again because it just didn't turn out the way I'd wanted it to. Uh, I'm such a nightmare. I won't name actor. I won't name what I thought of some people on that <laughs> film. But yeah, like I said to Jack last time, too much overacting. Yep. Too much. I too mean, much also we the casting process we had like a week to find people it was because because we spent so but long... i actually think we did okay with that We're, like i liked our actors like i i loved them all we got on with them all really yeah. well like i thought we instantly hit it off from what was the first shoot we did was it the funeral shoot i think that was the first day the i think wake. we did we did the funeral was... when it randomly snowed and then we and Amazing. then the um the tracking shots in the the hall. Do you remember? We went to that bloody... In the yeah. main house. We went to main house. I mean, people who are listening yeah, yeah. to this, if they weren't uh, from Basswell, will not understand what main house means. Yeah, main house is like, sort of like your Georgian like looking building. Like it's very fancy. Like architecturally, that and is a beautiful, remember, stunning, old building. I don't, know if, guys, I don't building. know if you guys talked about this last time, but the guy who... Uh, was dead we just took his headshot on facebook and framed it <laughs> do you remember dan owens shout out to oh dan owens God. <laughs> so funny yes yeah we did do you know i think i think we did the studio stuff first didn't we no we did the first main house shoot first uh and the funeral shoot that was the first shoot because you didn't come to the funeral shoot so i had to ring you and be like everybody's turned up yeah because i was off doing other stuff i was doing yeah you were setting up main house with jack burton me and jack williams went to the yeah you made it sound like i wasn't doing anything you didn't come to this shoot right 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 i didn't say that (laughs) that's not what i said you didn't come to that first part of the shoot we were but that's because we only needed one shot at the cemetery didn't we and that's why we went there. Inspired um, by the royal the reason why you, The reason why it was 100%. The reason why we, um, it, it might seem like we did the studio again is because we had to reshoot. If you remember, our first shoot in the main house had no yeah, audio. But we. Uh, so we had to reshoot that entire scene. Yeah. And what the con- there was a continuity error because my, Caitlin, my friend Caitlin Simmons, shout out, um, she was in the first wake scene, but she's in the funeral scene, but then she's not at the wake, which is weird, and we had to replace it with Rion. Again, shout out. He was fantastic oh, in that yeah. film. yeah. Oh, my God. Do you God. remember? Yeah. He was amazing. Because he does the, Jonathan. <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> Classic. Oh, God. Very funny. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so. I say we were, we were really ambitious with what we did, but, I mean, the end result wasn't awful. I mean... It wasn't it awful. It wasn't a great experience, I, I will say. I 
I think I cried oh, I maybe it. four times during that filming process. Uh, we all fell out. At, at I don't think you point. and I spoke for yeah. about two months after that. I I didn't speak to Jack Burton. We're good friends now. Like we're not good friends, but like we we get on. Like we get on. Um, we bonded again over Animal Crossing. Thank you, Animal Crossing. Uh, we have rekindled a little <laughs> friendship there. So I'm gonna, I will, yeah. Credit, thanks, Nintendo. You've you've done wonders. But yeah, me and Jack fell out, which we probably have both realised now was just it was nothing. It was never anything personal. Like with any of you, it was never a personal thing. But it was just so funny because we literally, we, I think we just put too much. Yeah, it was on blood, film. sweat, and tears. Oh, it was literally hell on earth. Oh. Was what it was. But it. it, it I, I don't fault the experience and I love every second of it because I learned so much about filmmaking from that one time alone that's just completely changed my entire outlook on how I should I mean there's always there's always in something in experiencing what not to do isn't there and I think if you can get that from anything then great like you've got that then haven't you yeah 100% maybe that was just one of those oh. occasions <laughs> It was definitely that occasion. And to me, it, to me, as soon as we got it into the edit, I was like, I want nothing to do with this anymore. I'm done. I've had enough. <laughs> I wouldn't even come and sit in the edit suite with you guys because you were just all bicker. Yeah, uh, to, mm, well, yeah we're, I think me, Jack, and Jack particularly cared a lot because the three of us have a very mutual love for Wes Anderson, which we sort of forced upon you. That's true. I didn't really know much about him until then. We, we used to sit in the cinema, didn't we, and screen you. them. I know. We did so, We put so much effort into like the pre-planning of that film. Not even the pre-production. The pre-planning of that film. like The, the mere idea, we were like, right, we'll go every week. We, will watch. we went three times and watched three different Wes films because we were like, we are going to get this down. And we did great. Like We did fantastic. But it was just, oh, Christ. I think we just put so much pressure into the project and onto each other that it was just hell yeah. on earth. There was no kind of mediator there, was there? Because we were all just like no. at each other. Yeah. Well, well, we also rewrote the thing f- number of times. I've still got every draft of that film upstairs. You're crazy. Every draft. I, every draft. When I um, was going to go, me and Jack Burton went back to kind of work on it a bit more. We went loopy. We just went insane just watching it. And we were like trying to put more music yeah. on it. And I just remember the two of us oh. being in that edit suite just going absolutely mental because it just takes you straight back to that place that you're in when you were working yeah. on it. Yeah, when you said you guys were doing it, I was like, couldn't be mm. me. It was really fun. And couldn't and the thing me. is, I'd have, gone for, I'd have gone through with it if the uni had agreed to kind of let us um, shoot. Because I would have hired cameras and stuff from them. I probably wouldn't have paid. But they were they were wanting to put the film into a festival. But I was like, we can't. I'm not putting my name on something that isn't finished. I was that was that. Yeah, we it need. Uh, we were doing a short film at a sort of feature length level, which we shouldn't have been mm. doing. We just put too much expectations on the film that we just could not manage. That wasn't even necessary because it was just a student film. But, but I think for me, I sort of saw it as this is going to be my, this is going to be my film that's going to really propel me into my next mm. step. But it just, I mean, think I, I again, I just put too much pressure and expectations on it, and it was never going to work out that way. But there we go. 
I mean, it's a good film. I've watched it a few times since, and I've been like, okay, it's not terrible. Like, it is shot beautifully, but there's so, I'm just watching. I'm like, oh, I think about how horrible. But, however, those two days in the studio were amazing. Yeah, it was fun. They went too well. If anything, they went too well, those two days in the studio. That was that was really good fun. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, that, the hero is perfect. Uh, hero is perfect. Not that any of you. Horror's perfect. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> so good. All right. So we got to round this up because Libby, I said to you before we'd start doing this podcast. Yeah, I like my episode. My podcast to be about an hour. We've been recording for over an hour and a half, so that's good. Um, we can definitely talk, mate. So, we can definitely talk. Yeah, this was always never going to be just an hour ever. Especially, oh, you haven't seen each other for three years, and you're both really talkative people. Nah, you'll be just you'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be absolutely fine. Um, so my next question for you, and I've only got a few left. What is the next step for you slash the overall goal? That's a really hard question. I know, I know, and I'm not expecting you to have just... the answer, but like let's leave out the overall goal. What is the next step for you? Um like where do you want to get to now? I mean or are you there? Uh, well, it's, it's hard to say because I've got a lot of learning to do in this particular role for a while because I'm still learning stuff every day and it's a lot. I'm in, in my kind of trajectory, if I am going to go down the route that I'm currently going down, I'll be a production manager next of a factual programme. I, I worked in children's for a little while and... I really loved working in children's and there's some really great productions there. And do you know what? Everybody there is just so sweet and lovely and having a really nice time. And I think I'd really like to get back into children's. Um, but also I love I love the teams that I work with and the guys that I work with are great. I, I, just, don't, I just don't know what I want to do next and I'm not even sure what is the... I just don't know what the goal is. Right now I'm enjoying what I'm doing and I'm just grateful to be working in this industry and doing something that I enjoy. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, I, I 100% agree. Like, it is, it's it's one of those lines of, like, well, career like this is something that's, like, it isn't something that comes knocking on your door every no. day. Opportunity in this particular field of work does not come every day, so you have to be grateful for where you are at, at that moment, and I completely yeah, agree and, with that. Yeah, and I think also what, what I was saying earlier is every other week I get the fear of, like, what am I doing? Do I know what I want? Am I doing the right thing? Blah, 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 blah. And yeah. I think I'm not sure that will ever go away, so maybe one day I'll take up on that kind of... <laughs> crazy thought and do something else for a bit but this is this is the the great thing about the industry is i could go off and do something else i've got a cv now of working as a production coordinator i could come back to it yeah because people do have career breaks and they go and have families and stuff and then come back Absolutely. to it. i could go off and do anything and and then come back and it wouldn't be a problem yeah so but no. right now i'm happy in what i'm doing and and i just kind of want to get better at the job i do because you learn something new every day. I'm, I absolutely do have. I absolutely yeah. believe that every step of the way. And fair enough. So, with that in mind, then, uh, are there any tips you could give to anybody that's sort of looking into getting a very similar line of work for you as mm. yourself? I mean, I think I've said some throughout this, but the biggest, 100%. the biggest thing I would say is network, and not just 
go and do it, but learn how to do it properly. Because speaking to people and having the right things to say and coming across in the right way that you want to is so important. And people will remember names and faces and they'll remember their first impressions. Like first impressions takes like 30 seconds for somebody to suss you out in how they think that they see you. If that. Exactly. Seconds. And so it's really, I, I mean, you and I are blessed with the natural talent of talking to people. I've never had a problem with going over and speaking to people, but some people have to learn how to do that. And I think if you can develop those skills and just become you there's a fine line between being chatty and and kind of motivated and excitable to being annoying and pestering and there's a fine line between that and you need to work that out because if you pester people they won't want to hire you but if you aren't showing your face to them enough they won't remember you so I think it's just and this is something I'm not sure that they teach at university because I never was taught how to network I just was good at it and I think that's just really been in my favour. I, I, again, uh, I've been to a few networking events as well. Um, I went to one with Jack Burton, actually. And whilst we were there, we got a few shoot opportunities, which I personally took on board myself. Not so much with him. Uh, but yeah, we went uh, and I, again, just had the natural ability to just chat. Didn't come across too sort of pushy. And then the conversation sort of took us in a direction of, okay, so how can I help yeah. you? And and how, I how think can you help me. And that's I think thing. that's something that some people have naturally. Some people have to learn, but it's definitely a skill that you should have in this industry because everybody wants the best people on their team. It's about it's about teamwork. It's about working together, and it, and and you need to have a good impression and come across well and be remembered. I'm remembered as the gobby northerner, like that that really worked for me when I was in Bristol. People would remember who I was because they were like, oh, shut up, shut up. But not not in a bad way. But... <laughs> <laughs> but not in a bad way, though. I swear. <laughs> please. Please um, tell me it's not in a bad way. But all I mean is, like, they they want to have a nice time and they want nice people around them. So everybody understands that you're nervous. But always go to people and ask how did you get into the industry? What can I do better? Can you take a look at my CV? All of those things are really good because like you and I have both had people that have propelled our careers, definitely. And I would always want to be that for somebody else. And I think like, absolutely. If somebody comes to me and I've had it on several occasions, I've had messages from LinkedIn. I've had messages from like, like students from um, uni that I went to, what we went to, um, messaging and being like can I have some hints and tips or what do you do or how did you do this I am always wanting to help because I had that help when I was there and I think everybody in the industry kind of bands together and wants everyone to succeed and wants everyone to do well so I I think yeah learning to network and just and just getting yourself out there and getting your names out there and like there's so many Facebook groups you can join with information on like just kind of putting yourself out there but not being annoying (laughs) It's probably the key. Find the fine yeah. line between being keen but not too keen. There you go. No, that is absolutely an amazing piece of advice, and I absolutely mm. agree. Um, it it doesn't. I I mean, I, this is probably a really transfer. It's it's one of those things that's a really transferable skill. If you have the ability to have a genuine conversation with someone and be able to carry yourself, you are going to get a lot further in, especially in this industry than you would as someone who simply cannot, mm. I guess. But it's um, a skill that you can so learn, yeah. definitely. 
yes, and hundred percent. But yeah, you have got to learn it. <laughs> you've got to learn it. Like if you're gonna do yeah. it, you've got to learn it. But if not, you're not. But I yeah, also yeah. I but would yeah. say the reason that I'm in the position I'm in now is because I put the work in at the time and I got the experience and I made those contacts. And yes, it's who you know, not necessarily what you know, but you have to have something to back yourself up with to get noticed or to get people to actually listen to what you're saying. Yeah, I agree. Hundred percent. Libby? Thank you very much. Uh, I knew we were going to have one hell of an episode where we talk each other's ears off, but I didn't realise it would be nearly two hours into... <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> no, don't be sorry. Oi, don't be sorry. I want it on record that I am not so apologetic about this. So if you cannot listen to this, grow up. Um, no, Libby, thank you very much. You have been an absolutely amazing guest. I've absolutely loved having you on the show. Uh, thank you very much. Cheers for coming Thanks on. Thanks for having me. Oh, mate, what an amazing guest Libby was. Uh, I really hope you enjoyed that as much as I did having a chat with her because, honestly, amazing. Just such a passionate girl with so much to offer. And I'm inspired, to be honest, and I hope I've inspired some of you from this show. Uh, We did delve into a few deep issues, which I know might be quite difficult to hear about sometimes. But, yeah, I hope hope you all really enjoyed it. Please let me know what you thought about it and if you have any thoughts about any of the topics we discussed today, I'd love to hear them from you. You can always drop me a message on Instagram at t.h.visual on there or on Facebook at thvisual. Um, yeah, give me a shout. Let me know what you think. Uh, please stay tuned. I will try and be a lot more frequent with these episodes. Uh, I realise two months is a bit of a long time to wait, but uh, you know, you can't rush quality that's the excuse I'm going to go with anyway uh, thank you all so much for listening I'll catch you on the next one cheers